0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Keila. On today's episode, I interviewed Bracha Kopstick, and she is a registered dietitian as well, and she is on Instagram at adolescent.nutritionist. Her mission is to inspire moms and adolescent, adolescents to live diet-free, so catch her on Instagram at adolescent.nutritionist, and if you like this episode and you want to hear more episodes, go to my podcast which is called Get Into It with Gila, which you're listening to today. You could also watch this episode on YouTube, as well as many other episodes. And it will also be on IGTV, on Instagram. If you are looking to make peace with food, please visit my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You could see other episodes like this, watch them, listen to them, read a bunch of blogs, and you could also apply for a 20-minute Free consultation so that we could get to know each other and we could start working together, and you could make peace with food and never go on another diet again. So, enjoy the show, and I look forward to hearing from you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I've come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, and today I have Bracha Kopstick of BK Nutrition. Hi, Bracha.
1: Hey, Gila. Hello, everybody. Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on here.
0: Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to hear about practice. And so tell everybody what you do, where do you live, and what do you do?
1: All right. So I am located in Toronto, Canada. I work virtually, though, so open to everyone. Um, Okay, so I work with teens and tweens, uh, parents of this age group, to help kids develop a good relationship with food and with their body. So really preventing that development of dieting or eating disorders, disordered eating.
0: Awesome. That's so, like, necessary because... Like I deal with like the older population, and that's like the people who we go- always go back to like the childhood, teenage where they were pwned. Right? So you're sort of like yeah. undoing it preventatively.
1: Prevention, exactly. Um, there are is a lot of messages that they've already picked up on, but that's easier
0: to address at this younger age usually. Definitely. So you're a registered dietitian. I am. Yes. So were you always interested in working with this population?
1: Yeah, I mean, I went into nutrition when I recognized um, in high school that people have problematic relationships with food. I was fortunate enough to grow up with a pretty good relationship with food. I was allowed to eat whatever I wanted, basically. and I felt pretty confident and comfortable in my body. I recognized that that's not the case with most people. And that's when I went into um, into nutrition to help families have that same positive experience to be able to raise their kids feeling more confident and comfortable around food and their
0: body. That's really interesting. So you had like a positive, like your experience was positive. Like you had a good body image, you had a good feeling towards food, but you noticed that everyone around you didn't.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Like I was always that healthy kid. Um, you know, I brought the carrots and the peppers and the whole wheat bread and the bran muffins to school, but I didn't feel like that was a restriction because I also had the gushers and the cookies readily available. So I had like that perception of being the healthy kid, but it didn't feel that way to me.
0: So did you pack like let's say quote unquote the healthier food because you felt like free to choose it, or was was it like your parents would like would they have any emphasis on like don't forget to bring your whole wheat bread and your bran muffin, or that was all from you?
1: No, that was really just all that was in my house. That's what it was offered. It was a very um I guess it's unusual, but like yeah. my house was set up in the way that we bought the whole wheat bread at the same time as we bought the danishes. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, you make your lunch, your sandwich on this bread, but then you can also take the, the, the less nutritious food. And no one's gonna comment about that because that's just what's been decided here.
0: So did your parents know, like, did they know anything about division of responsibility or this was just like unconsciously done?
1: Yeah, it was, it was unconscious. I mean, now as I have gotten more into the messaging around food, I realize that there is quite, th- there were dieting messages that I've grown up with at the same time as this freedom of, of most food. There was still like that only skim milk at home and, um, cutting out the oil and recipes, but food that was brought into the home was just like free for all, like, you know, take what you want, enjoy what you are eating. And we're not gonna comment on what food you've chosen.
0: Wow, I, I'm just like, I hope that the listeners like can hear everything you just said, because it's interesting that <clears throat> that freedom, that like neutrality and the choice the variety of food that a lot of people are afraid of that because they're like no my kid would only eat the gushers but you see that I mean obviously every house is different every child's different but you could see from your experience that a lot of times when we do give the variety of food and we don't make comments and we don't like the child sort of like intuitively picks up on like what they like what feels good in their body and there's so much there's so much neutrality around it there's no like like and that was like that like stood out to you because so many people around you weren't feeling that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I,
1: the typical high school or even starting younger, the kids who would bring their bag of carrots and celery because they're you know, on a diet or because they need to eat healthy. And I was just like, you know, that's just regular food. Why do you need to say that you're dieting or why mm-hmm. do you feel the need to change the way you eat? Um, so seeing that, and then hearing messages in our, uh, cooking classes and our, um, like home economics classes about some food is better than others. And this is the food that you serve to your mother-in-law. And this is the food that you are allowed to eat. (laughs) Just so many messages Mm -hmm. about like this hierarchy of which foods are better than others, or a food that you need to eat as a woman, um, made it really clear to me that this, that that dieting is mainstream and people aren't growing up or experiencing the food the same way that I am.
0: So when you went to school for nutrition, your plan was to, let's say, teach people about intuitive eating. Like, did you know about intuitive eating? I
1: didn't know about intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. I found out about, um, about Ellen Satter's division of responsibility in school. <clears throat> um, it was only, um, after I graduated and I was working with a dietitian who introduced me to the health at every size framework that I just gravitated to that. Like it made so much sense to me that I knew that that's how I'd be creating my practice.
0: Okay. So you were in school for general nutrition and you mm-hmm. always had this like concept idea. You're going to help people have a healthy relationship with food. And then you learned about health at every size, intuitive eating, division of responsibility, and then you went from there.
1: Yeah. So I think before it was more of like a general frame. Like I didn't realize that it was a framework and that this is, that this could be a way of teaching people, uh, especially because a lot of the nutrition I got was quite uh, restrictive and dieting. Right. Exactly. And then once I was introduced to these actual frameworks that existed, that was really exciting to see that I could be doing evidence-based besides for just my own experience-based.
0: Right, right. Was it like an aha moment when you like read the book or like when somebody a professional was talking about it
1: yeah so when I read health at every size uh by Linda Bacon it was yeah it was it was just such an aha moment to because it just made so much sense to me like thinking you know my body is the way it looks regardless of me doing like actively trying to change it and I'm allowed to be called healthy and I know I am why is that not the case with everyone else's bodies like why should we believe that bodies only come in one size or shape and are healthy so it it felt so right to me
0: yeah I know exactly how you feel because when I I know that well actually I heard of intuitive eating from from like a therapist who was actually doing OA, which is not in line with intuitive eating, but she told me about Rena. And when Rena, Rena Reiser, when Rena Riser told me about intuitive eating, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, well, we're just supposed to eat chocolate all day and like be happy. And she's like, well, not exactly, you know, like that's not exactly what I said. And it was so foreign, but it was it was very intuitive. I was like, oh duh, like of course dieting doesn't work. And of course like, of course, like restricting myself and only letting myself eat candy on Chavez is a form of like dieting and like of course that's why I'm binging and of course that's why I'm thinking about candy all the time you know and like like you said before evidence-based like we are you know we have to go we have to use evidence-based practice but it's hard when your intuition is telling you something else and so like to have the two of those things drive is like it is kind of magical you know
1: yeah exactly such magical is exactly the way to put
0: it yeah so did you you have your own practice now right yes was that always your goal to work for yourself
1: It wasn't, it was, it was more of a long-term goal, but it ended up being more immediate because it was hard to find a place to work that had the same beliefs Mm -hmm. when I'm not comfortable or willing to put someone on a diet or tell them to restrict their food. And that's what a clinic is telling me to do. I can't work there. Right.
0: Right right I had like such a similar experience because when I heard about intuitive eating I was like yeah this is what I want to do and then I'm like what am I like how am I supposed to do this but I didn't want to like start my own business because I didn't know how to I feel like there's a lot of parallels between people who I don't know this might be my own thing but I feel like there's this parallel between people who like can't get out of the diet mentality or can't get out of like the mainstream mentality of like you have to work a nine-to-five you know like there's some, for me at least, there were similar like practices that I put in place to like challenge my limiting beliefs to be like, okay, that's really scary, but like, I'm not going to work in a nursing home the rest of my life because I hate every second of it, you know? That makes a lot of sense
1: that we don't want that restriction of, that we're, that we're looking for more freedom of ourselves and being able to express ourselves. And a nine-to-five job with somebody telling us what to do or how to do it isn't being true to ourselves.
0: Right. So do you feel that way? That, like, there was what, once you were able to, once you were adapting such a nontraditional nutrition approach, did you feel that way with, you know, like, it, like pushing the limits and, like, starting your own practice? Did you feel that way?
1: I think what I feel most is similar to what a lot of people feel Adopting the intuitive eating framework is that fear, that right. it's it's trusting yourself and trusting that there is more to life than just frameworks and boundaries. Right. So it's a fear and it's an
0: excitement,
1: and right. I think that's definitely what I feel as a private, as a you know, a soul practitioner.
0: Right. Right. So I always say this, that like intuitive eating helps people like live more intuitively in general. Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like, do you see that with, I I mean, I don't know how, like, whatever, generally, do you see that with like people who adapt this way of life with your clients, with your friends, with your peers, with your colleagues? Like, have you seen that?
1: Yeah, it's incredible. Um, It's it's really amazing how much life expands Mm -hmm. with, with this, Um, with this belief about food and and the world and the fact that you can trust yourself and trust that things can happen and, and that your world expands when you're not living a dieting mind frame, not just about food and your exercise, but like really life is more like intuitive but free I think right, is right. words
0: I think that you're really like touching on the point of like trust like trusting right like what would I tell my I, I hear this a lot with my clients that they're like <clears throat> I'll never like I have to lose weight like don't tell me I don't have to lose weight I have to lose weight or like don't tell me I can eat a cookie because I can't I, I will eat 10 cookies and I'm like okay whatever like whatever you say like I'm not telling you what to believe or what not to believe but um this like intuition or like trusting what your body is telling you whether it's um what you want to eat or when you want to stop eating or something's wrong with this job like something's not fitting with me or something's not even though like on paper this apartment is perfect but it's making me miserable like you could change that like you could listen to your gut and like actually change your life like you don't need to stay stuck yeah uh
1: yeah because we've become more in tune. Like it's an interoceptive awareness of what our body cues and signals. And it does go to, to areas farther. Like you're saying to the gut instincts of I'm uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? This is tingling my senses of Mm -hmm. wrongness Mm -hmm. for sure. Yes,
0: like when, like I'll ask somebody, like, where do you feel hunger in your body? Where do you feel fullness? I don't know. I just, I'm just never hungry because I'm always eating. (laughs) I'm always eating because I'm always restricting. Oh, so Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah, that makes sense. It's hard to know if you're hungry when you haven't let yourself feel hunger for ten years, or, um, what does it feel like when you get really angry at your child? I don't know. I never stopped to notice. So like, it's so interesting because so many there's so much of that parallel with with food that like we. Like food takes away a lot of our emotions, you know it like it, it distracts us, it blunts the emotions or whatever, but the emotions will come back and unless we learn how to feel physical hunger or physical sadness, we can't do anything about it so like this these frameworks give you a tool for life, not just food,
1: yeah, definitely, definitely agree with
0: that so I don't know if you're comfortable answering this, but you, you tell me unless you, and you could rephrase the question if you want, but how do you, what is like your general framework of working with a child? Do you work with the parent mostly? Do you work with the child mostly? Um, what's like, what's the general approach? It depends on the age of the
1: child. So I'll start working with the kids at about 11 or so. Um, but really the thing is that it is the parents who are bringing the food into the home, p- parents who are providing, um, like establishing the meal timing and, and what's for f- what's for the meals. So it, it is a lot more about talking to the parents and helping them figure things out. Um, also, because it's a lot about food relationship, it is, I, I do talk to the parents about how they uh, relate to food, how they talk about food, present it, and how they talk about their children's bodies or everyone's bodies. So those are just, those are like some of the main areas that I work with is the food, the food relationship and the body image components. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so back to your question. Um, Remind me again.
0: Okay, so So, that's who uh, I work with. Yeah, so you work with, so I guess you work with the whole family in whatever way possible. Like, let's say you have to work with the child, but still work with the parent, sometimes just the parent, but that affects the child.
1: Yeah, so really really, there is a lot of work with the parents because um, we'll talk about meal components, what should be in their meals and how to include all foods. Um, Meal timing so that they can, like you said, start learning their hunger cues and be able able to recognize their fullness. Um, So meal timing is a big thing that we talk about. Um, And then how they talk about food. So when they're making a meal, are we talking about this food is good, this food is bad, this food is, we're gonna have this for dessert and they're gonna have to eat a certain amount of food to get to that dessert. Or is it all going to be, you know, we're having, chicken rice and chocolate cake for supper Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so um so to focusing on some of that conversation around food
0: got it that makes sense um do you do you use mostly like division of responsibility framework or do you feel like you've developed like your own sort of framework because i feel like that's that's where I am in my practice. Like I use obviously intuitive eating, health at every size, division of responsibility. But then, like through experience, like you get some, you get some of your own ideas.
1: Yeah, it's it becomes like a whole conglomeration of of everything that you've ever heard and learned and and gotten. Um, yes, so for sure, I, I definitely use division of responsibility, um, responsive feeding, and helping. Um, kids get in tune with their own need signals and develop their own autonomy around food and because they know their bodies best. So there is that, that um, kind of connection between the division of responsibility and intuitive eating.
0: Is there like one or two tips that you could, I know this this is very general, but is there one or two tips if a mom is listening or even a teenager is listening that you could give to like Start the process, like the intuitive eating process, or you know, if there's one thing they could try to adapt, is there something that you could recommend? So my first, my
1: biggest recommendation is to take away the judgment around talking about food. So you're not bad for eating food. Food is not good or bad. It's really all morally neutral. So the way you talk about it should reflect that fact. Um don't use the words like don't talk about food as being junk or Mm -hmm. toxic or poison. right
0: right so
1: So keeping that neutrality around food does take away that hierarchy of food which allows you then to eat all food
0: right that's that's a really good point I I, when you said that I was thinking about like Brene Brown or a lot of like her work like because you know, I think she says this, that you have like feelings, but then you have feelings about the feeling. So let's say like you feel angry towards your kids, but then you feel judgment that you're angry towards your kid. And so she calls that a meta feeling. I think that's her. And like a lot of times that feeling about the feeling, the meta feeling is even more painful than the actual feeling. So when you said judgment, I automatically thought like, I don't think judgment ever helps. Like in anything, like that's why when I was saying before about intuitive eating, like expanding into other areas of your life, like whenever we feel something and then we judge ourselves for feeling it, it really makes us feel way worse. It makes us act way worse.
1: Yeah. And we're so harsh in the judgment. It's like, it's never like, oh, you made a mistake. It's always like, well, you're really dumb for doing that. Right. Like we're really harsh when we judge ourselves. Right. Right. Right.
0: So just noticing that, like, I, I do say that also, like, and I hear, I, I've interviewed other like therapists about like body image or things like that. And they're just like, yeah, just like noticing like self talk and your inner critic and your meta feelings and all these words, but like, it's true. Like if I, I always say this, so many clients, like they always go back to like, but it's junk, but it's garbage. Even though like we talk about play food and that's just where their mind goes. Cause that's how they've been speaking about these foods. Even I, even I said it the other day. I caught I myself saying it because I'm human and because that's yeah, what I'm yes. used to saying. But like, yeah, junk implies that it goes in the garbage. It's, and I even said to my mom once, I'm sure you, you said this also, I'm like, you're telling your kids this is junk, but you're giving it to them. So what yes. message is that?
1: Yes, it gets very confusing for kids when they hear these, like they hear that this is bad, like chocolate is bad for me to eat. And then it's okay for them to eat. Like they hear their mom saying, you know, I really shouldn't be eating this, but it's okay for me to eat it. Like, how does that work for me? Right. And for sure they hear these things and it makes them feel bad. It makes them confused. Right. And they just don't know what to do with that.
0: Right.
1: And it takes on for longer, you know, it stays with them into their, into their adulthood. I mean, we're hearing so much now about like inner child work and, the trauma that we pick up as children that affects us as adults. A lot because we just don't understand the messaging that we're hearing as kids and and how to put that into understanding to, right. to figure out what these words and concepts mean.
0: Right, right. I mean, yeah, like I said before, like a lot of times I get the clients that, or put on diets as kids, you know? And then they come to me and their biggest problem is that like, they don't feel accepted. They don't feel unconditional love because kind of like putting a child on a diet is like, you're not good enough at this size, at this exactly. weight. It's really painful. It re- and, and just let's take away the judgment for the moms who are listening, who have done this. There's no judgment here. We've all done it. It's, We've it's all accepted. been there. It's, it's accepted, accepted and right?
1: it's like part of being a kid is, or, or part of being a teenager.
0: Right, right. I mean, when I was a teenager, like everybody talked about dieting. Dieting was like, I think probably 90% of our conversations. So like when I go back to that and I think about the moms and I think about the kids, it's really hard. It's like really, you really have to have like, like kind of like what you said, like you had that really strong background because of your house. Like nobody was making comments about your weight or about what you ate. So like that gave you a lot of confidence. Maybe you had maybe you had some of your own confidence, you know? But for a child who's already not so confident, and then to be feeling like it's really like tough on the kids. Should I eat this? Should I not? My mom said it's bad, but I really want to eat it. All my friends are eating it. How bad could it be? It's it's like a painful, it's a really painful place to be for a kid.
1: It is so hard for that that self-acceptance and that not having that safe space at home for acceptance and for being themselves. And, and like you're saying that, that fitting in with peers, so much of what kids have at, as school kids, that, that currency is very often food. Mm -hmm. If it's not, you know, being good at sports or being the smart one, it's what you have for snack. Right. And if they're already being restricted at that point, it's like, what's their social currency? Right. How are they fitting in?
0: Right, right. That's why I think it's important for parents to hear this, like to notice, obviously not to judge anyone, just to give people a little bit of a framework of like how important the relationship is with the child and food and the home and the parents and what we're saying and what we're not saying because this affects our children very, very, very deeply. Even my seven-year-old daughter, um, it's a little scary like she'll already say like what's a calorie you know because she heard she hears it but uh, but like I do feel like when I feel myself going into that like scarcity fear I'm like I this is okay she could ask me we could talk about this I could explain to her my perception I don't my perspective on this I don't have to be like oh we don't talk about calories in this house you know like that's not good either like we could all, like, this is what's in the world, right? Like 80 to 90% of the world in a, on a diet, in diet culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're really, I mean, I think we're making some, some progress, right? Like the intuitive eating world, are making some progress, but yep. this is what our kids are exposed to. And we have to be armed to take away the judgment and be there for them and be like, yeah, this is really hard. It doesn't feel good when people are talking about what they're not eating. It doesn't feel good when we go out with our friends and they're only ordering a salad when you really want pasta, that makes me feel, that makes me feel out of place when I'm the only one eating pasta, but we have to talk about it because the, the kids need the language. They need to understand what's going on.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, they need to, we definitely need to talk to kids about the messages that they're hearing, the things they're, they're even learning these in school, they're right. learning about nutrition, Right. they're picking up messages from peers and from the magazines they're reading and the advertisements they're seeing. So, yeah, we can't, they're not in a vacuum. So we do need to, we need to help them to understand what's wrong with the messages and what messages we want them to be living and learning. Right. So if, if they're seeing an advertisement telling you, you know, this ice cream has only X amount of calories or, um, you know it 's after the holidays it 's time to start dieting. You need to tell them that that 's not our that 's not an ideal that or this isn 't this isn 't the the epitome of health this right. isn 't what it means to be a growing developing person
0: right
1: These messages aren 't for children these aren 't appropriate for adults even right but explaining like you're saying, explaining what a calorie is, explaining that we need those, we need calories to live. right? And people are demonizing calories and yet we couldn't live without
0: them. Right, right. Um, Actually, like just for the parents who are listening, I'm thinking like sometimes when people hear this, they feel a little discouraged because because of all the diet messaging. And I always tell this to people, like, let's say, let's take the example of like being a from Jew, right, like an Orthodox Jew. Like, I mean, I think we're like less than 1% in the world, right? So we are influenced by the outside world, but we still like inside of our four walls. Like we keep shabbos and we keep kosher and we do all the mitzvot in the Torah. And like, yeah, people do have a fear, fear based mindset. Like, oh my gosh, my classroom, my kid's gonna be exposed. But like, no, that's not how you live. Like, we do, we do the best we can. We expose the kids, our kids, to what we think is right. Sometimes they're gonna be exposed to diet culture messages, but we could talk about it. Like, we could we could really bring it up and talk about it. And that's the way the kids are gonna be. It's, it's the most important thing, what we tell them in the home. So like when you're saying we, you have to give talk to the parents and tell them the conversations that they're having and explain to them what the messaging that they're giving to their kids, it's, it should be empowering. It's not, this is not like taboo, scary, don't go there.
1: Exactly, it's not a taboo topic at all. It's, it's helping your children develop. It's part of raising children right, is having conversations that maybe they're tough, right, but they are so important,
0: right,
1: and I mean, just as part of my, um, outreach, um, even looking at these kids magazines that we get, like the Jewish magazines, these, there are sometimes very subtle messages, Mm -hmm. and I would encourage, Yeah, I would encourage parents to go through them, see what your kids are picking up and then listening. Um, I actually have it as a hobby to write letters to the editors when I see problematic messaging, because a lot of times parents aren't looking at what their kids are reading. Right. And that's where we need to be careful about. It's those things that are technically made for kids. Um, it's the, the pictures, the the coloring books, the books they're reading that are okay that are you know they're they have that kosher seal on them but they have those problematic messaging um hidden within
0: so you actually started writing for one of the Jewish um papers, right? Are you allowed to say that?
1: Yeah it's 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 been published already. (laughs) Okay, great.
0: Okay, great. So where do you write?
1: So I'm in the teen pages in the in the magazine. I have uh it's a monthly column on intuitive eating. It's uh, basically, it's about three girls who are going through the steps of intuitive eating and sharing their struggles and their experiences.
0: Um, is it, is it a real story? It's real stories? Or... No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's so cool. It's completely
1: fictional, except mm-hmm. for they are going through the steps. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's kind of like an amalgamation of situations that mm-hmm. I've experienced and
0: had clients share. Mm-hmm. That's so, it's so like, awesome that this is like getting published in mainstream Jewish articles, non-Jewish articles. Like, I think people are really thirsty for the knowledge that you're providing because, because we see like dieting isn't working. Like what, what has it accomplished? It's and no judgment. It's just like, I always say that to my clients. I'm like, yeah, did that work? Did that diet work? Did that diet work? Why are you, then why are you here? Go to, I say that to them Then go to a mainstream dietitian. I have no problem with it but yeah. how, what has it helped you? You know?
1: Yeah. I think dieting has just constricted us. It's keeps us focusing on our appearances. It keeps us focused on what we're eating and it stop. It, it keeps us thinking small.
0: Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. It keeps us trying to shrink ourselves has like just taken over. I always say that like how how many you know how much percentage are you thinking about food and dieting and how much you hit your body 80 percent is that what you want is that what you want your life to look like if it's not like you could change it you, you can make that change yeah um so where do you see like your business going what's like what are your long-term goals short-term short-term goals if you want to share i'm curious um i
1: hope to continue as I am. This is really where I get lit up and find my passion in helping prevent kids from getting into diet culture and helping them get out of it at a young age. Um, I am hoping to do online group programs because um, I think it's just kind of cool for kids to see each other going through similar struggles and learn from each other and how to, how to get out of those, how to, how to deal with situations, especially if their friends are dieting to be able to have a like-minded community where they can break free of that. So I think group programming is, in the the not so distant future for me
0: that's awesome I think that's yeah I've done some group group stuff and for like women but I Mm -hmm. I think that that would be really good for kids to have like that peer support because if they are in a group or a class or a family where there's a lot of dieting it's hard to be the only one that's not dieting it's really hard
1: yeah it is and to get that support but also like advice and to see that they're not anomaly that this can be totally normal way of living and connecting with friends beyond just talking about your diets
0: totally um okay so could you tell everybody where they can find you
1: all right so i am on instagram at adolescent uh adolescent nutritionist i think there might be an underscore there i just
0: well i'll put it i'll put put everything yeah i'll put everything in the show notes.
1: Okay. So yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm, uh, my website is Nutrition. That's B-E-E-K-A-Y nutrition.com. Um, and that's where I am.
0: Okay. Hey, awesome. So I'll put all your information in the show notes. So people can find you. And are you taking new clients?
1: Yes, I am. And we're all virtual. So wherever you are, you can get in touch with me.
0: Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to like share, leave the listeners with, or you covered a lot?
1: We did cover a lot. Um, Like you've been saying, we've been saying it a lot is there's really no shame or guilt in parents who have until now thought that dieting or have been raising their children in a restricted mindset because it's so normal and you've been doing the best you can.
0: Yeah.
1: And, I wanna help you know that this isn't the only way to raise your kids. They can live a fuller, bigger life with a good relationship with food, feel confident and comfortable in their bodies.
0: That's amazing. Um, yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying and no shame, no guilt. Um, I always say this, you're, you're doing the best you can with the tools that you have and Bracha has amazing tools. So if you're ready to learn these skills and you know teach your kids to have a healthy relationship with food reach out to bracha and thanks so much for joining us it was great
1: thank you thanks so much
0: gila no problem have a great day you too bye thank you all so much for being here on my podcast get into it with gila if you'd like to learn more about what i do and what intuitive eating is please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on instagram at gila glassberg thank you so much have a great day